0: And it's happening right. back here we are in our little a little bit of a different setting as i explained last week To 62 who knew but wait do you see the studios when uh mr john gaston a uh, founder of WeBeam tv is done remodeling them they are going to be beautiful in fact if you're in florida i might even go as far as saying they're going to be huge only the people in florida will know what that means but they're going to be beautiful when they're done welcome to 62 who knew tonight we have a fantastic guest uh, Mr. Bill Borton, uh, who for decades has had his own successful financial planning uh, practice. And uh, he started a television show called Live Better Longer. Sounds a lot like 62. Who knew? Uh, we've never personally met, but we've been connections, uh, connected on LinkedIn. And the more we read about each other and saw what we did in our mutual posts, it's like he has the same goals in Malton, New Jersey, as we do here In the West Coast of Florida, we connected with each other and said, we got to be on each other's shows. Uh, It's going to be a great show, and I'm going to bring him on in just a few minutes. But as always, I do want to thank our guest from last week, Mr. Sean Yesner, uh, who has uh, a Crushing Debt podcast, who also wrote a book, Crushing Debt. It's one of our most popular shows. He really did show us. I learned a lot about a lot of those creditors out there that are bullying you and you just don't have to take it. So that's a good thing. Thank you again for showing. We had another great week with uh, 40,000-plus viewers. We're pushing to be over 50,000, and the goal is over 100,000 before the end of the year. And as I keep mentioning, in the next four to six weeks, look forward to the 62 Who Knew podcast that will be launched in the next four to six weeks. Um, But again, let's give a quick synopsis. For the new people that are just watching, and I hope our, uh, our audience that is loyal to us, the 40,000 plus, I hope you share and share and share the show as you like the topics that we cover. But what is 62 Who Knew? Simply put, 62 Who Knew deals with the blessing or the mixed blessing of longer lifespans. Every person, every generation, my father, his father, his father before him, and it continues to go has the same thoughts as they approach their early 60s. Should I take my Social Security, or should I defer it and keep working till a later date? Did I save enough money? Should I invest in stock market, or should I do more conservative things like annuities? Do I need long-term care insurance, and if I don't have it, is it too late in my late 50s, early 60s to get? Do I need to keep my life insurance? There are so many things— Let's not forget, should I consider a reverse mortgage? There are so many things to consider as we approach retirement, and no generation has had anything different until today's generation, until my generation, the baby boomers. I just turned 61 just about a month ago, and uh, my generation has a different obstacle than any other generation has ever had. And what is that? Longer lifespans. Modern breakthroughs in medicine, technology, and science over the last several decades. You just cannot argue with the point of what has happened and how we're living longer. Certain childhood diseases, God, this makes me sound so old, when I was younger, like the mumps, chicken pox, measles, today's children don't even know they exist. Many cancers in both men and women, if found at an early enough stage over the last 20 to 30 years are almost curable between 90 and 95%. We make leaps and bounds on a constant level. Gene therapy, stem cell therapy, amino therapy. We're living longer and longer. And although that does sound like a blessing, if you in fact make it to 62 in this country, you have better than a 50-50 chance of making it into your 90s. And the truth is in this great country... Less than 1% of the public, that includes me, can financially retire in their early 60s and live another 30 years. 62, who knew at 62 that you have at least half the amount of time that you've already been on this planet still to be here? And this show is based around bringing you guests every week that have a specialty and level of expertise in Social Security, long-term care insurance. Life insurance, in-home care, annuities, Medicare, Medicaid. The list is incredible. Travel, health, health. We keep expanding it every week, and that's why our audience keeps growing. It has been a very well-accepted theory, and we thank you all for that. And tonight, our guest is no exception. As I said earlier, uh, Mr. Bill Borton uh, and I have been connections. That's like Facebook friends, but in LinkedIn language, We're connections. We've never met, uh, but this man has dedicated uh, decades of his life in the financial planning world to assisting people have a longer life, but not just a longer life, a higher quality of life. And he does that through the planning and with working with other financial advisors. Uh, He started a television show called Live Better Longer with almost the same premise as 62 Who Knew. So when we met each other on LinkedIn – We decided we needed to be on each other's television shows, share our audience, share what we do. And and I'm just so excited to have this man. I can't wait to shake hands and, and break bread with him and meet him in person one day. For the time being, we have him beaming in to 62 Who Knew. Let's bring him up right now, Mr. Bill Borton. How are you, sir? Welcome to 62 Who Knew.
1: I'm splendid, Mike. It's just another day in paradise up here in the Delaware Valley.
0: Uh, Yes, it is. You were telling me hot and muggy, just like here in
1: Florida, huh? Uh, Not quite so bad. We had a really hot stretch for about a week there, but it's a little bit more uh, like June instead of August.
0: Well, that's good. I am looking so forward to October, basically as soon as June hits, since I've gotten older, and don't tell anybody, a little heavier. I I just can't stand June, July, and August and September in Florida, the heat is unbearable. I'm always. I'm I was down summer one,
1: down Fort Myers area, and uh, in the summer, and I couldn't wait to get back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I love San Diego so much. It's Florida without the humidity. Yes. Well, before we get going, number one, thank you. You know, we met each other on LinkedIn, as so many business people meet. I can't wait to to sit down and break bread with you one day, meet you in person. Be a guest on your show. We have so much in common, little different backgrounds, uh, but you have dedicated your career uh, to helping people uh, live better and live longer. Um, you have two of my favorite books behind you. Um, I do know, by the way, we might as well get this out of the way, I am not your favorite reverse mortgage person in the world. Usually when I bring on a guest, I am their favorite reverse mortgage person. But your favorite reverse mortgage person is is Mr. Don Graves and you know what he's my favorite reverse mortgage person too so you get a pass on that one cuz he's unbelievable just a gentleman in every sense of the word the old Kentucky
1: boy he yeah. is and
0: you you get a pass on this one I'm okay. usually I don't yeah. want to be number 2 but I'll be number 2 behind Don Graves any day of the week but before Kentucky, go he's ahead up here in-
1: He's up here in Philly as well. Yes. And Don and I have done business together, and we break bread, and he's just become a really good friend. And actually, he's been on my show twice now.
0: Yep. He's just, you know, it's an old-fashioned expression that our fathers used. Um, but Don is just good people. You know, besides mm-hmm. being a, a true professional at what he does, he's just good people, and, and that's a good thing to find in sometimes in today's crazy world. So Indeed. before we go on to real questions... I asked my guests the same question at the very beginning, no matter whether they're an attorney, a health food expert, Social Security, Medicare, it doesn't make a difference. Um, you've picked a very specific thing in life with very specific goals. Uh, many times it's personal, sometimes it's not, but I want to ask you what made the much, much younger Bill Borton a certain amount of time ago say, not only do I want to be a financial advisor, but I want to help people uh, live better and live longer. What brought you into this?
1: Well, I'm going to start off by correcting you just a little bit. Okay. Uh, I got my life and health and property and casualty licenses back in May of 1983, which means I'm 36 years with an insurance license. Mm -hmm. And so my early part of my career was selling car and home insurance And then i got recruited into the life insurance business Mm and wasn't quite with the right company at the time it wasn't a good experience and then i found the northwestern mutual where i spent a decade great company where i yeah they had great training program great products uh it was a good run until it wasn't anymore i got bored and i was just getting uh, the itch to do something else and i got recruited into the employee benefits space which is where I spent half my career, uh, over 17 years. And so I was doing health and welfare benefits and for a while, some retirement plan, uh, work with mostly mid-sized employers, uh, again, mostly up here in the greater Philadelphia area. And that was a really good run until, uh, the great recession hit. And I remember that and healthcare reform became inevitable. And I started seeing the writing on the wall and said, I do not want to grow old doing this anymore. And so I took a look at my experience, life experience, career experience, my network, my professional designations from the American college, uh, things that I was passionate about. And I also read a book by Daniel Burris called Flash Foresight, where he talks about predicting the future based on trends. And I took a look and saw the baby boomers aging. You talked about that a little bit in your intro. Uh, And I saw that there was going to be a huge need for boomers to figure it out, as I like to call it. And so uh, the two things that got me in my current uh, career path were uh, a 17 year senior to me friend and mentor who contacted me out of the blue and said, I need long term care insurance right away. Bottom line was his wife had agreed to let him stay out of a continuing care retirement community mm-hmm. as long as he got long term care insurance. And so uh i had to research it I said first of all try to turn him down he goes no he goes you're one of my best friends i trust you uh i want you to do this for me so i did a lot of studying a lot of research and quickly found out a lot that disturbed me about the current state of affairs with long-term care in the industry and the number of people that didn't have plans or policies and so that was part of it the other thing was that my parents both ended their lives with dementia. My mother earlier than my dad, uh, she passed at 83, my dad's body made it to 94, his mind only made it to about 90. Uh, But I got to experience all the aspects of long-term care planning when you don't have a plan. And thankfully my brother, sister and I were able to triage and were able to get them squared away uh, in a way so that we didn't have to become caregivers And ultimately, they ran out of money after my mom died. My dad ran out of money and went on Medicaid. But it all worked out okay uh, for them. So we, my siblings and I, we really dodged a bullet. Mm -hmm. But I became painfully aware of what the world of caregiving and long-term care is like when you don't have a plan. And so uh, I said to myself, when I wanted to reinvent myself at age 58, what am I going to do? So I thought long-term care planning and insurance. And then I thought, well, who am I gonna who am I gonna serve? Who am I gonna sell? And so uh, you know, they asked Willie Sutton why he robbed banks. He said, "That's where the money is." <laughs>
0: I like that. I
1: started to focus on what I consider to be high-net-worth baby booms. Mm-hmm. High-net-worth is one to ten million of invested assets. And I don't know about down where you are, but up here in the greater Philadelphia area, there are thousands and thousands of people. Who meet that criteria? And I thought, well, there's not a lot of people competing with me. At the time I got in, all the big insurance companies that had been selling traditional long-term care were heading for the exits, and uh, then the people were starting to get the rate increases and the headlines and all that. And so, gee, you know, I'm going to get in while everybody else is running the other direction. And I thought, well, I'm either I'm either a genius or uh, I need my head examined. But I like to think, in retrospect, that I was in the right place at the right time. You made the right decision, no doubt. I think so. So I also determined that if people who were in their 50s and 60s who had money uh, were as smart as most of them thought they would be, they probably had some people advising them, Uh, probably an accountant, almost certainly some kind of financial advisor, whether they were really a truly an advisor or not, but they had somebody who was collaborating with them on their behalf Uh, For at least the accumulation phase of their financial world. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hmm, well, the guys that have got insurance licenses, the registered reps with the warehouses and the broker dealers of the world, they're not going to see me as an ally. They're going to see me as either unnecessary or a competitor. So I decided to focus my attention on the fee only RIA crowd. And then I specifically was looking for firms that had maybe 300 million to a couple billion of assets under management, figuring that they would have quite a few boomer clients that had money. And I thought, gee, this, this would be really smart. I focused a lot of time and attention on that segment of the advisory community. And I learned a number of things. One was uh, a lot of these guys think that if you have two, $3 million of invested assets, you can sell fun. And I actually found one firm that said, gee, you know, we run our spreadsheets, we run our Monte Carlos, we do all that. And so if they have enough money, we don't even bring it up. And I thought to myself, uh, terrible philosophy, fund a plan, but everybody needs a plan, whether you have no money and you're gonna qualify for Medicaid with an elder law attorney, or if you got a hundred million dollars and you can fund it yourself, you still need a plan. You still need legal documents. You still need to convey your wishes in writing to the people that care about you and vice versa, or that advise you. And so uh, it just became very apparent to me that this was an area where there was a huge unmet need. And so I, uh, I decided to focus on all this. Over time, I started getting contacted by people who knew me, advisors, other people, accounts, attorneys, when their clients were turning 65 and they were getting barraged with mailers and phone calls about Medicare. So. I learned about Medicare. So now I deal with people with Medicare supplements and help them figure out what plan D to buy and mm-hmm. things like that. Then a little while later, I started getting contacted by people who were either losing their jobs and had everybody wanting to help them with their 401k, you know, the sharks smell the, water, the blood in the water. Right. Or, you know, some of my clients uh, were attending educational dinner seminars and learning about annuities. And so they would contact me because the no like, and trust factor, as I like to it yes and so I learned about annuities so I started thinking gee what am I really doing here I'm managing risks in retirement that can be managed and I'm getting into retirement income planning so I kind of changed my wording around and now I refer to myself as a retirement risk manager and income plan and I tell people I'm an educator and a consultant and I get paid on commission. Unfortunately, the regulators, the insurance regulators, will not let me charge fees and earn commissions. Right. And if we charge fees, I'd starve to death. So I work on commission. Most example, of us do. I do some free consulting, but what are you going to do?
0: Yes, we all do that. Well, you know, before we start with some questions, you mentioned something that's always been a, uh, a sensitive topic to me. And let me make it clear. Um, you know, I will put my knowledge of. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, specifically reverse mortgages, but all mortgages against anyone. Um, but I am not a certified financial planner. I am not an independent financial advisor. Uh, I do not have an insurance license. So I don't have your level of expertise in so many things. But being a mortgage person that specializes in clients 62 and above, when I hear people you know, that have that net worth, I'm going to take it down a little, between a half a million and three million. I think you would said a million and three million. I'm taking it down to a half a million to three million. And their financial planner says to me, we don't even bring up long-term care insurance. They're self-insuring. It flabbergasts me. There is a number out there. Maybe it's 10 million. Maybe it's 30 million. It's well above three million, where one catastrophe could wipe out such a large percentage of your net worth Self-insuring is nothing but a huge gamble. Self-insuring, when you have a couple of million, and, and this is my humble opinion, you know, is the same thing as going to Vegas to the roulette wheel and putting your money on black and red. Your average person thinks you have a 50-50 shot, but Vegas is smarter than that. There are two zero squares on the roulette wheel, one with one zero and one with two zeroes. And that little extra square makes it in favor of the house. So when somebody says to me, oh, yeah, I have a plan for long-term care. I'll pay for it myself. They better have a lot of millions in the bank. And they better not, uh, you know, and I hope nothing happens to them. But I, I don't get the self-insuring. I think that's a huge gamble.
1: Well, if you're, if you're married... Chances are, uh, when you add the expenses for caregiving, along with your spouse's regular living expenses, the income need in the household goes way up. But again, when somebody doesn't want to talk about a subject or doesn't want to buy insurance, any knee-jerk reaction will will do. You kick the can down the road. That's right. And saying you're going to self-insure, let me correct you there, I say self-fund because an individual is not an insurance company. That's right. Self fund the perceived risk. Chances the are they haven't had the discussion with anybody, including their spouse or their adult children. So true. They've gotten the legal documents in place, the powers of attorney, and the advanced directives, and they haven't put any of their wishes in writing. And so, therefore, they're just putting their head in the sand. And there you go. And so, somebody once said, "Hope is not a strategy."
0: <laughs> That's so true. Yes.
1: So I tell people, though, that I can only help people that are willing and able to be helped Willing or able. It has to be willing and able. There was an old Scotsman named Thomas Doer who said over 100 years ago, minds are like parachutes. They only function open.
0: That's right. Uh, uh, My favorite motivational speaker, uh, Tony Robbins, usually starts his daily things, his uh, seminars and workshops with that exact quote. They only work when they're open. All right, so let's talk, let's get a little more specific. Somebody calls Mr. Bill Borton on the phone and says, okay, uh, I was referred to you. What services do you provide?
1: Well, uh, again, I, I sell insurance and annuity products uh, and get paid commissions on them, but uh, they are the result of a process it begins with what i call the conversation and it doesn't cost you a dime to have the conversation and the conversation is that 60 to 90 minutes usually face-to-face but not always because i have a lot of clients that have found me or have been referred to me all over the country i even have a client in florida and so uh the conversation is where i find out from them what's on their mind uh, what do they want to know what don't they want to know who have they been talking to what are their concerns why uh and so then we start to talk about prioritizing some of all this and so if they decide they would like to continue the conversation with me beyond that first discussion then i have to establish the ground rules again time and money are not unlimited for any of us and so First of, all, uh, well, first of all, most people are a little bit surprised to find out that an insurance salesman uh, has got conditions upon which he will talk to them. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I say, okay, first of all, I need full engagement. And they go, well, what's that? I go, well, you're married, aren't you, Mike? And, oh, no, no, my wife's not interested in any of this. And I go, come on, get real. My wife is my majority shareholder. Mm-hmm. What's hers, What's mine is hers. And when she wants my opinion, she gives it to me. Exactly. You know? And so, you know, is your situation much different? And no, no, no. All right. I'll talk to my wife. I say, second, Mike, you know, before we go too far here in any of these conversations, I need to know what's possible. So I need brief health histories from each of you. So I don't steer the conversation in directions that are inappropriate mm-hmm. because it isn't possible. So and I get them from you. Sure. Okay. No problem. Third, most important, I'm willing to bet that before you're going to commit six six figures of your invested assets to a, a solution that I designed for you and your spouse, you're gonna have another set of eyes review my work. And then go, well, yeah. And i go, so who do those eyes belong to? This is where I find out whether the other eyes are adversarial, a potential ally, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So time and effort in to have somebody else convince them that they don't need insurance or that they can handle the insurance for them. Yes. So uh, the conversation either ends or moves to the next phase. And then we get into the whole discussions around the needs and get all the facts. And we do all the educating and so on and so forth. And that's all around long-term care. Medicare is different. It doesn't come up as early in the conversation. Most of the clients that come to me for long-term care are in their 50s or early 60s. Medicare, everybody starts getting barraged when they turn 64. And so uh, that's a, another phase of discussion. The income planning and the dreaded four-letter word annuity, that comes up uh, at different times, depending upon when people are retiring or planning to retire. So in addition, uh, I talk about a lot of things that I don't make any money on, like social security and claiming strategies. Right. And- I'll send people towards a couple of the software programs that my colleague Wade Fow at the American College recommends. And I'll talk about uh, reverse mortgages, the things that you and Don do, uh, and why they're the first resort, not the last resort, for people who are looking to put a retirement income plan together. And we talk about sequence of returns risk, which I know that you know about. Michael Kitsis talks about it. Tom Hegna talks about it. In fact, he just did a post on LinkedIn uh, with the market going down about that and about how that can affect people. So really, it's it's what is it that the client needs or wants? Why did they come to me? What activating event occurred in their world Yes, them to reach out to me? And then we just go from there.
0: And who do you specifically, who would you think is your clientele? Is this somebody from 60 up, 50 up? I would think you want to catch somebody in their upper 40s even low to mid 50s to make sure this is right before they get to the, you know into the 60s and 70s and have fewer options but who is your clientele what's your demographic
1: so on the on the low end my youngest client came to me when he was about 47 and this was early in my my new world here which incidentally yesterday was the 8th anniversary of WR Borton and Associates so very good uh,
0: congratulations happy anniversary Thank you. Thank you. I'm still
1: here. <laughs> still smiling, still serving mankind. Absolutely. And, uh, so, at any rate, uh, when, where did I go? I went off my rails here. So, we were talking, oh. Yeah, uh, age, what
0: is your clientele, that age group? Yeah,
1: he, he came to me and said he wanted to talk to me. And I thought, you know, you got young kids. What are we talking about this? Week? And he wouldn't tell me until I met with him. And when I met with him, he disclosed that he'd been diagnosed with MS when he was 25. Oh. And fairly well controlled uh, and that he had an old uh, life insurance policy with a permanent rating and the agent that sold it to him was still around. That was nothing that could be done. And so uh, I was able to create a uh, indexed UL with chronic illness rider uh, policy for him uh, that does not require permanence, but will be discounted. Or the benefit will be discounted uh, at, at the time of chronic illness, depending on his age. Uh, And we were able to, for the same premium he was currently paying, get him about, uh, oh, 35 or 40 percent more death benefit and the chronic illness benefit. And so he was thrilled.
0: I'm going to back you up just for a minute. And the only reason I know what you just said is because of the great guests I've had like you. I'm going to back you up, let you bring it down a little. I know you you just described a, a universal life policy with different options on it. Uh, but a, a bunch of our viewers just went. What did he say? So go backwards and tell us again what you did for this client, and uh, bring it down a few levels for the for the layman
1: like me. Okay, so I get the health history after I talk to him, and I run it by uh, underwriter from my long-term care wholesaler, and because uh, I get a predetermination on everything, I don't like surprises. Right. So I determine that he was at worst going to be a table B and that with this particular carrier, with the, uh, reinsurance agreements that they have, uh, that we might be able to get him a standard rate. And ultimately that was what happened.
0: And a standard rate means a lower
1: premium. Just throw that out there. And so the same premium that he was paying to the big old mutual company that he'd been with since he was 29 from his college buddy, Uh, we were now able to take the death benefit. Uh, and again, it was about, uh, 35% higher than the policy that he had. And the policy that he had, there was no possibility that would ever do anything for him for long-term care. The new policy has what's called a chronic illness rider. And the chronic illness rider comes under a section of the internal revenue code called 101 g And normally, these riders require a chronic illness to be deemed permanent in nature. And so uh, people who sell these policies to people, because there's no premium uh, on the rider, uh, the company takes their their slice at the back end when it's claim time. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the companies that sell these riders or these policies for these free riders uh, require that the condition be deemed permanent and so if you can't certify or your doctor can't certify your chronic illness is permanent in nature then you thought you had a benefit and you didn't really and so not a good way to go so in this guy's case there was no other way there was nothing else that could be done for him and so we figured if his ms progressed his condition would be deemed permanent And I went to the claims department at the insurance company, and they said, we do not require that. So he was happy as can be. Mm
0: -hmm. I can imagine. That's a big improvement, 35% uh, uh, higher Mm -hmm. death penalty and more more, um, coverage during his life. That's incredible.
1: So my oldest client is a widow lady who was 78, uh, and she uh, wanted long-term care, uh, benefit, and uh, there was no way we were going to get her a traditional policy or a uh, linked benefit uh life linked hybrid type of policy so we went with a long-term care annuity for her and we were able to get her triple the amount of the single premium that she would pay
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were able to get inflation protection on the long-term care rider that's added to the uh, deferred annuity and so for her, uh, that was a great solution. So those are the two extremes. Most of my clients come to me when they're in their mid-50s to their mid-60s. Right. But I'm finding more and more, I had a, I was, uh, there was a Barron's article that I was quoted in back in, uh, in June, early June, and I was contacted by a uh, 72-year-old scientist whose 68-year-old retired physician wife uh, actually, lives not far from me. And uh, when I went to meet with them to talk about hybrid long term care insurance, which is what he wanted to talk about, they disclosed that they had over $20 million in assets. And they still were looking at uh, the tax benefits and the leverage that you can get with a long term care policy. Absolutely. So even smart people like them understand that self funding doesn't necessarily make sense.
0: Exactly. Um, I've noticed like a lot of professionals, um, you know, with the years of experience that you have, you've chosen not to manage money. Correct. Um, don't want to spend too much time on that, but it's amazing how many people have not only made that choice, but how many money managers I know that have gotten away from money management. What was your reason for that?
1: Well, uh, I'm an insurance guy. And I know a lot of money managers or a lot of so-called money managers or a lot of financial advisors and so-called financial advisors. And a lot of them aren't really. That's so true. So I'm not going to go any further with it than that, but I'm a specialist. And I know some really, really, really good money managers who manage portfolios made up of individual securities. And then I know some people who simply use mutual funds and ETFs Uh, and when you take a look at the mix of what they've got, they may own Apple stock in three different places. And, you know, these are not money managers. These are people who are collecting, uh, fees for assets under management. Mm -hmm. And where I'm seeing a lot of these folks starting to have problems is with the downward pressure on fees, uh, robo advisors, uh, regulatory changes and the like, and their clientele are starting to age out as I call it. That's right. Slow down, uh, either voluntarily or because they get sick or need long-term care, uh, or if one of them passes, the other spouse may take the money and run, go somewhere else. Yep. So I figured I would much rather collaborate with financial advisors who truly are financial advisors and do planning, our fiduciaries, and I'll manage the risk. And that way the client is the winner. Absolutely. When the DOL rule looked to be inevitable uh, prior to the uh, current administration coming in, uh, I went and got my Series 65, Investment Advisor Representative designation license. And I was thinking about becoming an RIA. And then I determined, no, I'm not going to do that. So I have solicitation agreements with five RIA firms in the Philadelphia area so that if I bring them money to manage uh, while I'm doing what I do, I could receive some of the fee. And so that's worked out okay so far.
0: Okay. Now let's talk about for a second your television show, Live Mm -hmm. Better, Longer. Um, Like I said, when I first read your profile on LinkedIn, I went, Wow. Do I know this man? And why don't I know this man? Um, how long has the show been on? Let me ask you that. We're about a year now.
1: I'm coming up in two years, the end of October. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, I was a guest on someone else's show on what's called RVN TV, which is similar to WeBeam, Uh, but maybe it's not quite as far along in its unfoldment as I call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was a guest on, on one fellow's show and then another, uh, colleague of ours got his own show and he invited me to be on. And the day that I went on his show, uh, they had already kind of teamed me up with the producer, uh, that I wanted to do a show. And so, uh, after I was on, uh, I spoke to him and, uh, said, so what do you think? He goes, what's your, call? what's your show call Live better or longer? What's it about? It's about helping baby boomers live better long. Yes. It's just, what can you start?
0: <laughs> What's it about? It's a cooking show, Live Better. Of course we Yeah, yeah. You, there you go. Thank so, you, Captain Obvious, yes.
1: <laughs> the reason why I, I wanted to do it was because uh, I need to differentiate myself from the other guys and gals out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of prospect. I'm not one of these ten, three, one in the funnel guys where I have to do all that. I don't want to go styling for dollars doing dinner seminars that's not my style and so i need the transfer of trust i can't get the clients from other advisors or accountants or attorneys i need to develop the trust on my own and Mm -hmm. so i've been working diligently over these years to create a large amount of digital content including my show i have a youtube channel where i have most of my shows I have videos that i did with jamie hopkins and dave littell at the american college uh, i've been interviewed by a few other folks and so i have copies of all these videos on my youtube channel and so that causes me to be very visible uh, i also mentioned i was published by barons well Barrons has published me twice Forbes a couple times uh, i wrote an article for the society of actuaries long-term care news back in 2015. Uh, i've spoken to actuaries, groups, and so I do everything I can to make myself different in good ways. and so I had a couple guys that were bugging the heck out of me to do a podcast. They wanted a lot of money to do a couple of months, transcribe them, and they wanted to manage my website. Well, I didn't need my website, and I didn't need podcasts to be transcribed. So uh, I contacted my buddy that first had me on a show. And said to him, what do you pay to be on your show? And he goes, nada, zilch, nothing. (laughs) And I said, what are your obligations? He said, "I have a guest every week. And I said, is that it? He goes, that's it. So uh, that's why I'm doing Live Better Longer instead of a podcast. Now, I
0: know you've had Don Graves to talk about uh, reverse mortgages. Tell us a little bit about other guests that you've had to build the show in that realm where you want mm-hmm. to
1: stay? Well, you see the, the book back here on this side, that's rewirement, right. the way you think about retirement planning. And that's written by my friend, Jamie Hopkins, who was uh, with the RICP designation program along with Dave Littell at the college until he departed at the end of last year, to join the Carson Group as their director of retirement research. And Jamie and I become good friends in fact, we're working on an article together for an estate planning journal on long-term care planning and risk management and retirement for uh, high worth people. And so Jamie published rewirement and May of last year, and so he agreed to come on my show and we plugged the book. And so uh, so that's why that book is. Copy Hans is autographed as well, and so on and so forth. But uh, I've had my financial advisor on the show twice mm-hmm. he's a ria and a cfa uh with a about a two or three billion dollar asset under management firm uh really a wonderful guy and so uh he's been on but i've also had a woman who teaches mindfulness i had on a chiropractor and i had on a psychologist who's developed heart assisted therapy wow. and i've had a woman who uh, left her corporate job and is now traveling the world doing a retirement blog and getting advertised. I've had on boomers who reinvented themselves later in life and are phasing into some type of entrepreneurial retirement
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on and on and on. I try and keep it fresh. And one of the other areas that I've gotten into is caregiving. And you had a guest a week or two ago, Kathy Sikorski, who is my neck of the woods, Kathy has been on my show. Uh, she's a recovering elder law attorney who's passionate about caregiving. Mm-hmm.
0: We had a bull with her.
1: Yep, she's a pistol. <laughs> Pretty routine? So she's been on. Uh, and then I've had other people that have, been written, have written books uh, about caregiving and dementia and things along those lines. Again, all very important topics, as you mentioned earlier.
0: Sometimes it's hard to find guests. Um, I will tell you that as the host of this TV show, although we're booked out for the next six weeks. And I think Mm -hmm. as we discussed off air, the four topics that seem to have taken us in the last year from zero viewership to, you know, to 42,000 plus have been in this order, long-term care insurance, Medicare, reverse mortgages, which I'm personally very happy about, and Alzheimer's slash dementia, different types Mm -hmm. of dementia that show uh, seem to touch a lot of people's heart and nerves uh, so we have started over the last several months uh to repeat our guests quite frankly, and um, this is going to be one of the one of the last couple of shows that we do sixty two who knew with just two people. We're actually going to stop having a minimum of two, maybe three at a time. I think it's time uh, for a long term care insurance expert. And a Medicare expert to be on together to talk about mm-hmm. how they can work together, or that mm-hmm. Medicare expert and the Alzheimer's expert together uh, we're going to start uh, having panel shows with two or three people you know that complement each other mm-hmm. have you yeah. ever have you had any uh, well, go ahead I'm well, sorry
1: what you're doing uh Mike is and I've been encouraged to do this is to in the beginning of each of my shows talk a little bit about my business and maybe tell a real quick story uh, about someone that I worked with and how I helped them uh, to give people a little bit more of an understanding because with my show uh, up until now, uh, with few exceptions, uh, I have made it all about my guests. Mm -hmm. I did a couple of times when I didn't have a guest lined up, uh, particularly last fall, I did a Medicare show uh, in the beginning of the open enrollment season, right. And I viewers from that. And I actually, had people contact me and that worked out well. And then, uh, I also, uh, did another show on, uh, long-term care planning in November when it was long-term care awareness month.
0: I remember which, that.
1: Yep. Why November November's long-term care awareness month. You know why? Right. Cause that's the month where everybody comes together at Thanksgiving to avoid talking about it.
0: <laughs> I, that's that's funny as you're saying that i'm thinking that's so exactly correct
1: yeah well that was created by jesse Sloan, who was the guy who founded the american association for long-term care insurance out in california yes
0: i, I know jesse yes I know. yeah that is a uh that, that is so true that is actually a, a very cool thing
1: i always tell people don't talk about it on thanksgiving or there'll be a food fight but maybe on the uh, the day after on black friday maybe you can see what you can do about having the conversation to get it started.
0: Well, it's funny, uh, almost all of our guests from all wakes of life in home care, long-term care insurance, um, almost every type of insurance that has to do with life or disability and health. Um, and you brought it up of course, in the very beginning, it, it is a rough conversation. It is a rough conversation um, you know, t- to have with your parents when you're almost reversing the role You're taking the role as parent and going, look, I know you don't want to talk about this, but we simply have to. And that's very difficult emotionally, mentally, uh, sometimes financially. It's a very difficult conversation.
1: Well, you know, there's not a lot of what I call insurance humor out there, (laughs) uh, but I've come up with a few things over the years, and uh, one of which early in my latest generation of uh, your important Associates was I tell the people, I look at them very seriously and say, you know, there's only two ways you can die. And they look at me like I'm crazy and I'll go, yeah, conveniently and inconvenient.
0: <laughs> I like it.
1: And, you know, everybody wants to go conveniently, but most people don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Inconveniently, you may think it's not going to be much fun for you, but who it really is a drag for is your family. That's exactly like, right. Yes. You know,
0: we had oh. a, a superstar uh, from the long-term care insurance world and, um, on our show uh, that said something that, you know, we are salesmen, and I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, when I sit down with seniors to talk about reverse mortgages, I am not selling them a reverse mortgage if they don't need it. I give them options, and if they need what I'm selling, that's a great thing. Uh, but I don't sell a reverse mortgage. But uh, one of the legends that was on our show in your world, in the long-term care insurance world, uh, said that he had come up with something. And I, as soon as he said it, I just went, wow, um, that when he's talking to a specifically a man uh, you know, in his 60s, still fairly good health, and let's talk about your long-term care insurance. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Um, I know I'll probably need it one day, but not now, not now. I don't want to talk about it. And he says his response always is, okay, let's put it away for this time. Let's kick the can down the road. Just want to leave you with this thought. How do you feel about your daughter giving you a bath? And that person usually goes, maybe we need to talk about long-term care insurance. Take those papers out. How much is it per
1: month? (laughs) I I had a similar one. How how would you feel about having your daughter-in-law change your diaper?
0: Yeah, uh, it, uh, it sounds like it's funny, and it is. <clears throat> you know, in a certain way, um, but again, what your television show is about, <clears throat> right here with sixty two who knew is about longer lifespans is a mixed blessing, and uh, we have been fortunate enough twice, excuse me, <clears throat> we've been fortunate enough twice to have a regional director from the Weissman Institute in Israel, uh, which is one of uh, one of the finest institutes in the country that for decades has been bringing us uh, things that many people are not even aware of, uh, many uh, things that have to do with CAT scans and um, immunotherapy. immunotherapy. Um, They're the leader uh, in the world of so many things. There are so many um, pieces of equipment in hospitals throughout the world that if you look on the back of it, it'll say patent by the Weitzman Institute. And there are things coming, not in the next 30 or 40 years, but in the next 10 or 20 years, that we have learned from these people uh, that are going to take us from the 90s well into the low hundreds in the next couple of decades. And to think that we're expected, or at least the philosophy today, is to start working in your early to mid-20s and stop working approximately 40 years later. I'm not sure this world is is geared for that. I'm not sure. I am sure. 99% of the world... Is not going to be prepared to live, you know, 40 years without a steady income, without mm-hmm. a staggering plan to protect what they accumulated.
1: Oh, there's no question. Uh, I learned about a website when I first started my business, uh, you know, all these years ago now, called LivingTo100.com. Well, I want to. I'm going
0: to. I'm going to write I've that shared down.
1: that with a lot of people, and it was put up by a physician, and you fill out a whole bunch of online information. And give me your email address and hit the hit the submit button, and you get a printout that shows at what age you're going to expire. Oh, that's and great. The suggestion that if you drink a little less coffee, you get six more months, or if you exercise a little bit more, you may get another year, or something along those lines. Right. The first time I did it about six seven years ago, <laughs> it said I was going to be ninety nine. I like that. And I like that too, but I have had this knowing for years that I'm going to make it to a hundred and so when I did it again about a year and a half ago it came up to age 101 and I thought to myself hmm have I changed much in my lifestyle maybe a little bit here or there but then I thought, well I'm still here so some people are no longer here I'm you know four or five years older and so that's the way you know life expectancy works. average so right. I'm up to number one now. Well, I fully expect that I'm going to make it there. I want my body and my mind to be in good shape, too. Exactly. I, my many, what my money phrases. Uh, a successful retirement is when you get to the end of a long life with your money, your mind, and your body all at about the same time.
0: About the same time,
1: yes. Yeah. I'm going to so, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, go ahead, no, please. For, to live better longer for me is about all of that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, my wife and I are very much into holistic living I'm 66 years old I weigh 170 pounds my resting heart rate is in the upper 50s my blood pressure is 1 to 10 over 70 I take no medications nor does my my wife I cycle I do yoga I go to a chiropractor I have an infrared sauna Uh, I drink purified water uh, I take food-based supplements, I eat organics, and my diet is becoming more and more plant-based. And wow. So food is medicine. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that chronic illness and a lot of the things that cause older people to be popping medications are entirely unnecessary and preventable if people were just willing to wake up.
0: You For really made me my... feel guilty with that list of stuff. You know, Sorry,
1: Mike. All right, I
0: can't. I can't pull any punches here. No, that's okay. You just uh, I, you can see from the cup I just came from Chili's before the show. Um, so, I think if I ha- if I think if I go to Living I to go
1: a- H2O here, you know, right.
0: well, iced tea is mostly H2O, so I think I'm yeah. I think if so, I go to the website Living to a I think the result will be buy a shovel. That's what I happen to think my result. Well, would
1: so, be. if somebody's thinking about an annuity or delaying Social Security to seventy, it would be a nice idea some idea about how long they're going to live. I think that's incredible.
0: Living it's to 100.com one 100, the, 100 is to, the number, right? 100.
1: Yes. Yep. So I tell financial advisors about it all the time because doing a Monte Carlo simulation showing the money running out at 95, uh you might want to rethink that, you know?
0: Well, especially when you do a Monte Carlo simulation, I have to say for the majority of the world and it runs out at 82. I'm not really, really that worried about the 95 people right now. But the 82 and 84, you you know, it's my premise that those are the people that end up in a McDonald's going, would you like fries with that? Or in front of Walmart going, would you like a cart? And that's no way to end life.
1: No, it sure isn't. So it sure isn't. So at any rate, so we we could talk about all kinds of stuff here. Retirement income planning. Uh, I'm a big fan of the flooring strategy gets a lot of attention from Steve Vernon from Stanford.
0: We have about two minutes left, but take it. Tell us the yep. flooring strategy, please. Well,
1: this is where you take Social Security, any pension assets that may be available, and to the degree that it's not covering all of your necessary expenses, taking some of your portfolio, uh, particularly the bond portion, and buy income annuities and create that income floor. Thank that you, Tom Hegna. Is- that enables you or your advisor to go long, as I call it, with equities and go more for growth because you don't need to worry about market downturns because you've got your income mm-hmm. in. And then if you get a good old reverse mortgage, you can manage the sequence of returns risk. You can use that to stave off Social Security till later. There's, as Don puts it, it's the Swiss army knife of retirement income plans. That's exactly right. There's so many things that go into a retirement income plan and most of the accumulation world out there, advisors, are asleep at the switch, which is yeah. one reason my phone room. Mm-hmm. Well, we
0: have a little, about a minute and a half left. I want to absolutely thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I hope you will come again on the show. I am going to be in New Jersey a couple of times in the next couple of months. So I absolutely want to come on your show. Maybe we get mm-hmm. Don on at the same time. We'll have two reverse mortgage people and just flabbergast the world
1: well we'll see about that don's pretty hard to kneel down because he travels a lot
0: he does he's a very popular speaker and rightfully so but i do really and truly want to thank you um were we able to get uh i know we don't have all our tools that we normally do as the studio is being remodeled were we able to get the website up john and if not uh bill tell us how would people contact you how that's the best way to get a hold of you
1: very easily. My website is w r b o r t o n w r borton dot com. My email is bill b i l at w r borton dot com, and my phone number is eight five six eight one seven six one zero zero. So, these will do. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Bill Borton. Mm-hmm. That's where I found them. So, all right.
0: Well, just a little less than 30 seconds left. Thank you so, so much for being here. I hope you come back again. I hope to be able uh, to come up and do your show and break bread with you. Um, With a little less than 30 seconds, next week we're having a very exciting show. Uh, We have a Mr. Mark Glickman coming on who has engineered and is creating uh, one of the largest national websites, informational websites, For long-term care insurance you know that's our tickle button here on 62 who knew join us next week it was a great show thank you mr borton thank you to all our great audience thank you very much
1: thank you mike